Sorry, can't say. What's that word you use? Spoilers. I like that word. Hello and welcome to Spoiler Nation, the podcast where we have spoiler-filled discussions on your favorite and sometimes not so favorite movies and TV shows. This episode, we are diving deep into Blade Runner 2049, the long-anticipated sequel to Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. The sequel we didn't know we <laughs> wanted, and we never thought would be good, but it's great. Spoilers. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going, Howie. <laughs> Well, not many of us wanted it, apparently, according to the box office. But That's true, we still don't want it. But I loved it. I'm glad <laughs> it exists. Um, yeah, so did I. Yeah. So I guess some people might call Blade Runner the godfather of science fiction. If not in quality, certainly an influence yeah. on the genre. Yeah. In fact, it's so influential, just the first time I saw it, I was like, I swear I've seen this before. And then I realized, no, wait, I've just seen Akira and Ghost in the Shell <laughs> and countless other things that were so clearly, you know, inspired by this. Yeah. Um, my name is Howie, and I'm the senior editor at IsolatedNation.com. And I'm Reese, and I write some film reviews for IsolatedNation.com. But first, before we get to Blade Runner... There's something else. It's got a bit more heat to it. Yes. And uh, very excited. Fresh off the press, you know, as of this recording. Fresh off the internet. <laughs> Star Wars The Last Jedi, the second and final trailer. This is the last trailer, Howie. There are only two trailers for this <laughs> fucking movie. So they're keeping things a secret. That's good. Do you know what else? I, how else I think they're keeping things a secret? How? In this trailer, feels like to me a lot of misdirects. A lot of things that are happening which... I don't think they are that on their face value. A lot of things that might be shocking, but might also be just weird cuts. <laughs> yeah, I think it's some interesting cutting. Some editing trickery. I don't trust Disney's marketing team after the Rogue One trailers promised me one thing and I got something that was a bit different. Hmm. Especially with like scenes that were totally not in the fucking movie. That's the thing, <laughs> but I feel like, I don't know. I think this is different though. Yeah, well, because, let's talk about it. Actually. Yeah. Let's jump in. Yeah, let's do it. First of all, we've got like, it starts with Kylo Ren. It's almost like the villain's journey. So we see him sort of standing and brooding. He's watching over this kind of, it looks like a factory or something. It looks yeah. like a... It uh, looks like, like the equipment that they're going to use to mine this white looking planet that's in the movie. Just my guess. Because <laughs> it looks I like see. there's some mining going on. You see all these crystals, mm. all this red gas. Something's going on. But yeah, we see it. We start it with him and it's like there's Snoke's voiceover saying, when I met you, you had all this raw untamed power and stuff like that. And then we jump straight to Rey. 
Like, yeah. we jump to her so hard that it's like a parallel. And it's it's almost as if, you know, he's talking about Rey as it, well. It is. Like, he could be talking to Rey. Yeah. <laughs> you actually don't know. Like, that's the thing I kind of got out of this trailer. Like, so we go to Rey and she's training with Luke a little bit. Luke's a bit different. Uh, Luke very is, brooding. <laughs> Luke is not the badass we'd think he is. He's actually like a very broken and scared old man. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, he looked like at the end of The Force Awakens. It is kind of a trope with these comebacks these days. You know, we've got uh, old man Logan. Yeah. You know, disheveled, broken down uh, Wolverine. Still a fighter and a badass, so he is broken, certainly. But maybe I, we will get that with Luke, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, it is a certain thing where, you know, you're, you're seeing a, a classic hero in a very different, a bit meaner yeah. way, a bit yeah. meaner to the hero. <laughs> because Luke looks pathetic, like in a good way. I'm excited to see what they're going to do because Luke does look pretty pathetic yes. in this trailer. Yeah. So we've got that kind of interesting nugget. And also we've got a lot of focus on Kylo Ren, actually. Like in this trailer, in terms of character focus, he gets probably more than Rey. It's about roughly equal, but I think Kylo Ren gets a bit more treatment. And it looks like they show a scene where he's about to blow away his his mum, yeah, General Leia, yes. on the, on a ship. Yeah. But what I was saying before with the misdirection, I I think that is an obvious misdirection because it's like that's such a big thing. Yeah. That's going to be if that was actually in the movie, that's a huge moment. Yeah. That's probably a pivotal moment for his character. Yeah. That's a big plot point yeah. to reveal in a trailer. Yeah. And I don't think they'd be quite so sloppy as to do that. Yeah, and also, movie. and also the way they cut it is, um, it makes it seem like she's staring back at him for some. Do you, you mean at you the know, end? Somehow. Oh well, Leia, like yeah, like she's she knows his presence. Yeah, like and in if the that's force or something. yeah, and if that's actually the movie, it's it seems like bad editing in a way. Yeah, <laughs> so. because in the background when Leia is like you know feel it looks like she's it, feeling his presence. Yeah. there are just like resistance people walking in the background. Yeah. And there's like no panic. No one's panicking. No one's like, oh my god, he's here. Yeah. So yeah. that sort of makes me think it's I don't know. It's yeah. a misdirection. But it's yeah. an interesting kind of idea because it puts it in our heads that, oh, there's gonna be like a real confrontation between yes. the two of them. Which obviously would be is what I really want to see, you know. Mm-hmm. Cause she's gonna get way more screen time in this movie, I think, from what I've heard. Than the last one? Yeah, she really didn't have much to do in the last one. But I think she's gonna play a more pivotal role mm-hmm. here. Because she's like the last parent as well. And I really want to find out a bit more backstory about why exactly he doesn't, he hates his parents mm. beyond him just being, the only explanation they really gave in The Force Awakens was like, oh, he had too much Vader in him, which is okay for like a first movie. Yeah. But for this, I really want them to dive deep, which they look like they will with Luke and Kylo Ren. Yeah, because you'll see Luke's hand stick out of the rubble. So obviously that's a flashback to when Kylo he- Ren destroyed the temple. Yeah, the Jedi school. Yeah. Whatever. So when Luke also says in the trailer, like, this is not going to go the way you think it is, do you think he's talking to Rey or Kylo Ren? I don't know. I, my theory is I think he's talking to Leia. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you think they'll be together in this movie? Well, why not? I don't know. They I, dropped yeah. uh, Rey off. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I feel like it's something they'd hold back until the ninth movie and they didn't foresee the Carrie Fisher passing away. I mean, I don't know for sure, but I feel like that's something they would do. I like the idea of what these words mean. Yeah. You know, we think this movie is going a certain way. Yeah. It's also kind of a meta line to us. It is. It is. Which is an interesting meta line when earlier in the trailer, there's like an exact shot that's like from Empire with the Atats on the white planet. Yeah. 
early on. Yes. It's a beautiful shot, but it is like... They look amazing. It is like, I've seen I've seen this. I hope the movie is not Empire because it, obviously it's going to share certain similarities in being trained by a mentor. It's the middle chapter, so it'll probably be like the darker one. But in every other way, I really hope it's different, you know? Yeah. Well, let's talk about the end scene. The end scene. Oh, yeah. They're very juicy. Intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> Way um, to end it. That well, Ray uh, says, I need someone to show me my place in all this. Yeah. And then we cut to Kylo Ren. Offering a hand. Offering a hand. To and- her? To Luke? To someone else? To Snoke? <laughs> Who is he offering that hand to? Are they in the same room there, Howie? Well, from the way that the scenes were lit, it seems like they are in the same space. Yeah. Because it- they're both orange, fiery kind it- of. It's like nighttime and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that's not a misdirect. I hope that's what it looks like, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, because it's exciting. It like, is so exciting. I feel excited watching it because... Because that's different yeah. than Adats on the sand, on the snow, you yeah. know? Like, this is like, oh, wait, I've never seen quite something like this in a Star Wars movie. And there's all this kind of talk about in the earlier trailer of, you know, balance in the Force. Yes. You know, the two of them would be like the balance of the force. Yeah. So if they have some kind of dalliance or alliance, that's a really intriguing way to go. And Yeah, and it's kind of, yeah, you just can't help but wonder, like, what does it mean? Is she going to the dark side of, or is he coming back? Or are they just meeting, are they just meeting each other on level ground? Well, the thing that makes it as interesting as it is, is because Kylo Ren is still clearly a very conflicted person. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that shot of him in the trailer where it looks like he's going to blow his mother away and he looks like he's about to start crying. Yeah. So even if that's not what the scene is in the movie, the point in the trailer is for us to see, oh... He's still human. He's like, yeah, just killing his dad hasn't made him the badass. Like, he's still a whiny crybaby. You yeah. know, he's not He's not all bad. He's He's still got that conflict. Yeah. So that's what I like about this trailer. Like, most of all, it's like, it's not plot heavy, but it's very theme heavy. And that's how good trailers exactly. should be. That's what I want to see. It should make you feel like how the movie will feel. Like yeah. give you a taste of how the movie will feel. Yeah. Without giving away any of the plot. Yeah. And I, it, mo- yeah. most interesting, we got an actual glimpse of Snoke, which I wasn't expecting. And it's more than a glimpse. It looks like he's like torturing Ray. It looks scary. It, that, the, work is, on, the work on his face is amazing, right? Yeah. It's definitely much more intimidating than he was in The Force Awakens. As a giant cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can see every crevice on his gnarly yeah. old man he face. He looks freaky. He, he looks like his face is barely kept together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, he looks a bit closer to a believable human being than the Emperor did because he's got sort of like a skin tone and he just looks like a demented old man. Yeah. You know, and it's pretty... And that bathrobe doesn't help because it looks like a bathrobe <laughs> I think my granddad has. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, this is hitting too close to home. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that's like a misdirection, like him seeming to choke Ray or do something to her with the force or something. Yeah, that seems scary. Yeah. Uh, I, that, so that was like a really holy shit moment. Yeah. And everyone's gone on in terms of like the cutesy animals in this trailer. Everyone's I'm, talking about the porgs. I'm digging the pork. I don't mind the pork, but you know what really caught my eye was like the ice fox. Yeah, the beautiful. diamond. Like I was like, wow, this is like something out of Narnia or Middle Earth or something. This is. It cool. actually looks like a what's that Fantastic Beast creature? Yeah, it know? does. Yeah, like the shiny thing. <laughs> yeah. I hope there's more of that. Like I like the porgs, but I hope there's like some 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 shared screen time with these beasts as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very pretty. But um, yeah, I really I fuck. I've been rewatching that trailer so many times actually over the I, past been, day yeah. it's been out. I've been trying to not watch it too much i've been trying to savor it 
Mm. Um, I love that scene where Chewbacca is just uh, he growls and then the poor growls. See, it's so cute because Chewie needs a new buddy. Yeah, hands gone. Perfect. You know, poor. I would love. I would love. I I I endorse this pairing. <laughs> it's such a funny like they're so tiny. Yeah. He's so big. It just works. Yeah. <laughs> I just wonder what like its function is. I I think they they this seem like birds to me or something. As in as a character in, in oh. this. You know oh, what yeah. is his relationship to Chewie? I saw an interview with Ryan Johnson, mm-hmm. and I think he said something like the Pogs like help luke or something like that that's so cute because they're on the planet octo that luke's on <laughs> oh so it's nice that luke hasn't been like totally alone but okay. you know you would go a bit mad just talking to those fucking things for however long he's been there <laughs> that's true <laughs> i bet they'll get the minions crowd in oh for sure you gotta yeah because you need to like appeal to someone with a star wars movie because it's so niche yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) you need to get those kids because they don't want to see a star wars movie yeah you gotta find a way it's no blade runner (laughs) but i think it's kind of good because those animals are kind of a good contrast to what the rest of the movie looks like which is pretty dark looking Mm -hmm. so it's interesting choice because he could very easily have just not had that in there because of course star wars fans are going to complain about them it's it's a good reminder that there are other lives in it this is. universe. Yeah. That's the thing that I like about Jar Jar just as an idea. Like <laughs> they're annoying people, but you gotta work together with them because, you know, we all live in this universe. Yeah. You know. I don't like the execution, but the idea was, was there. And yeah. maybe here it'll be like that, but it'll just be more refined and less annoying. So I'm We'll good. see. Yeah. But um, I think that's all I've got to say about the trailer. Fucking good. I'm going to watch it again after this. <laughs> As if I'm not already in. Oh, I, I was totally 100% in. <laughs> but, you know. Let's just say it bodes well for this Ryan Johnson sequel. Yeah, I think Disney seems to have so much confidence in the movie too because this is like the last trailer. There's only like a teaser in this trailer. Mm-hmm. You know, they know what they've got. Honestly, I don't think they need any more. They don't, don't. Uh, I don't want to yeah. even see a TV spot, to be honest. Yeah. I feel like I've seen enough. Well, let's move on to a more, what would you call it, like mature yeah, space heavier, movie? Heavier? Uh, heavier, bit more realistic. M- more niche. Bit I more pertinent to our times, you might say. Blade Bleak. Runner. Bleak. <laughs> rainy. Um, but just as expansive in its own way, especially yeah. this new one. Blade Runner 2049. There is an order to things. That's what we do here. We keep order. The world is built on a wall that separates kind. Tell either side there's no wall. You bought a war. You're a cop. I had your job once. I was good at it. Set 30 years after the first Blade Runner, which was set in the far future of 2019. <laughs> now this one is set. We're pretty close to, to where it, it is now, don't you think? <laughs> we are, Yeah, I mean, they did a pretty good guess, I think, <laughs> for the movie. We've got flying cars all over. Photoshop in the zooming thing, like Harrison Ford talking to the screen, and he's like, do this, do, go left, go right. That's like Siri now. That's true. So, you know, they, they made some... Re- it was really prescient to its times. Uh, this one, 
um, compared to the first one, I, I guess we'll just give our opinions on the first movie at first because, you know, everyone has a different sort of opinion on yeah, the let's... first movie because there's so many different versions, you know. So what did you think of the first movie? Actually, a few days before watching the sequel, uh, I saw a screening of the director's cut. The final cut, right? Yeah. I think it was, yeah. Um, at Luna Cinemas in Perth. Very nice. Shout out to them. Yeah, good folks. Uh, it was packed. Just, you yeah, know, I can imagine. You wouldn't expect it to be just because the movie's so old. The past few screenings before were sold out, apparently. Yeah. So, it, you know, that was encouraging to me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, there is interest in this movie. Yeah. I think visually it holds up. It holds up well as a movie as, and as a cinematic experience. It's, yeah. it's definitely made to be seen in the in the theaters. I would love to see it in the theaters. Still yeah. haven't. It would be great. It's just such an absorbing movie. And because it's another aspect of why it's, it needs to be seen in theaters is that it's so slow. Yeah. It's a slow burn because you, it's, you know, the noir aspect comes comes into it and noirs are you know famously atmospheric yeah so because of that you know it's slow and you people are walking really slowly <laughs> and also i think what makes the movie slow because i rewatched it in a shitty little tv <laughs> and i watched i didn't watch the director's cut i watched the original cut i see the thing that makes it slow for me as well is because noirs are kind of like mysteries right mm-hmm. this is noir like but there's no real mystery yeah. You know who's going where and who needs to do what. And people are just sort of taking their time to get to the place where we know that they're going to end up. Exactly. It's Yeah, you're right. It's the noir without the mystery because we uh, the plot essentially was very simple in this first yeah, one. Yeah, very bare bones. Same yeah. with the characterization. Yeah, it's a bounty hunter plot. Like this yeah. guy is hired to kill kill this, these people. Yeah, they're complex. The thing that sort of makes it interesting is... There's so much for the eye to take in and for to listen to. And also because there are a lot of themes underneath yeah. the very sort of basic plot and characterization. It's yeah. kind of an interesting contrast in that way. Yeah, Where well, we'll get into it a bit later, but Blade Runner 2049, in, in every way, that's maximalist. Like <laughs> the characters are more three-dimensional. There's like yes. so much more going on. And it's like twice the runtime nearly. <laughs> it's really long. But um, yeah, the first one, yeah, it's it's still an interesting movie. But did, do, you, do you like it still? Uh, I do like it. Yeah, it's it's really a unique experience. It is, yeah, because it has the audacity to you know say, hey, sit there and pay attention. Yeah, you feel actually felt like you went somewhere and yeah. came back. Yeah, um, there are a few troubling aspects of the movie just because of the eighties. The eightiesness uh, infected it like a bad STI <laughs> in, uh, in some cases. Yeah, number one, that jazz music, the saxophone, the saxophone, weird. It was jarring because Just, it's out of place with the visuals. Yeah, it's and and the the music that came before it's the synth is yeah. Like good. It's throughout the movie. There's this amazing synth score by um, what's his name? Vangelis. Vangelis. It's hypnotizing, and this music is timeless. Yeah. But, but then, it's like some clown just said, we got to have a sax track in here. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fit at all. Yeah. And yeah. especially during like certain love scenes, which is sort of very... I, I would not call them love scenes. Well, you know, I say that with air quotes. That's what makes the sax even like more dissonant. Yeah. 
because it's like, how am I supposed to feel about this when there's like a sax playing as well? Is this supposed to be like romantic? Yeah, it does seem like the movie intended the scene to be romantic. The scene where Harrison Ford sleeps with um, replicant Rachel. a replicant, yeah, replicant Rachel. But the way that it's the scene is executed is kind of disturbing because he essentially forces himself onto her and yeah. tells her to say yes to him. Yeah, he takes a. <laughs> clear advantage of her yeah. in like a really when she's in like a terrible state yeah but the thing the weird thing about it is that the it movie becomes like a love story yeah the <laughs> movie doesn't actually intend for this to play out as oh this is a problematic character yeah it's just look at these two kids falling in love yeah i wouldn't even mind it if it was a scene where he he's like the hero and he did take advantage of her because that's fine but it's just the presentation of it being a love story, yeah. which in the original cut is even more so because they drive off in like a nice landscape at the end, which makes no fucking sense. Yeah, they get the lover's ending. They get like... the lover's ending in the original cut, so they clearly had this idea of, oh, yeah, they're in love. And in this sequel, it's confirmed that, yeah, they were in love. They were, yeah. That's like kind of the key to this sequel. <laughs> it's like built off this sort of strange thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that, so that's the main thing that troubles me about that movie, and I find really... Yeah. off-putting there's a lot of off-putting things in the movie but there that's that that's the one where i'm like Ugh, like yeah. i'm really kind of revolted by it but overall you know the the visuals oh you can't say enough good things about all inspiring yeah it's it's not just well done it's it's also the lighting in the movie because obviously coming out in 1982 and not the biggest budget this movie i think it was like 20 million bucks or something like that which even back then was pretty like medium hmm. he Ridley Scott uses like a lot of lighting and smoke and that kind of trickery to make the area seem more textured than it actually is, like make the sets seem yeah. more detailed. And also the claustrophobia works in its favor because obviously there's overpopulation yes. in this future and stuff like that. Yeah. So I feel like everything, even the limitations just enhance the experience of it. He just created such a unique world or aesthetic that yeah. obviously has since influenced many sci-fi type genre shows and just art in general, I think. Yeah, art, music. Yeah. As well. Yeah, exactly. Know? It's a mix of, you know, technology and slums aesthetic. The cyberpunk look. Cyber is That's that what, is that what yeah. cyberpunk is? Cyberpunk is essentially high tech low life. Yeah, that's yeah. a better way of saying it. That's uh, that's what this movie is because it's all set. Like, I love the idea that the ads are talking about off-world colonies. Yeah, and people who can't afford to go there are like in these dirty ass slums. Yeah, I love that they, you know, yeah, it's high tech, and then they still have these wet markets. Yeah, uh, when there's like the streets. noodles cooking, and yeah. it's familiar. Yeah, but you know, there's like a few little new bits to it as well, and it, it genuinely feels like. 30 million cultures just jammed together on this street corner because that's yeah. that's what the future is. Everyone's like intermingled, you know. There's a geisha displaying a Coke can on a giant screen. Yeah, it feels really rich. Yeah. Which, which I think this new movie, uh, we see that less in this new movie. It's a little less, bit, yes, yeah. It, it feels less lived the in. The culture feels a bit more homogenized yeah. in a way. Which, you know, could be a commentary that the movie is trying to make on, you know, 30 years have passed. And how it's obviously this movie has to stand on its own. Yeah. But maybe it's also, uh, you know, commentary on how times have changed. Yeah. I guess it can't look exactly sort of 
have this it can't even have the same feel i guess because maybe he lives in like a different part of this big city you know and we only see we only see him like a few times in la like he goes outside of it that's right a couple times as well blade runner it's worth checking out yeah for sure it's worth re-watching and seeing the different versions if only to see like what the fuck was going through ridley scott's mind (laughs) during this version yeah during this version it's just interesting that like the central thing of his decade of replicant is supported or disclaimed with each version as well. Yes, that's right. Because um, in the original movie that screened in theaters, yeah, what was their answer to this question? The thing was, it's like really only implied by one line of dialogue when Rachel says to Deckard, "Have you ever taken that void comp test yourself?" Oh, that's. I think I feel like that's in all the. That's cuts. in all of them, but like that's the only thing in the original. I cut. see. She poses that question, and it's supposed to make us think, oh, maybe he doesn't know hmm. he's a replicant. But obviously, there's that unicorn business in the uh, succeeding cuts. That's right, because in well, in the cut that I saw, he dreams of a unicorn like yeah. r- running through the forest. Yeah, and um, his partner leaves a unicorn uh, origami bit. Which yes. sort of implies that either he has his memories or he knows his memories. Yeah. Either way, that kind of like implies that he's a replicant. Yeah. Which I, I guess we'll get into that really quick. Do you like that kind of idea or not? Are you kind of ambivalent? I like that this question is posed. Yeah. What I'm unsure about is how they are addressing it. Or how they're playing with it. I, yeah. I'm fine with ambiguity. Yeah. But I'm wondering if in that ambiguity, they are contradicting themselves. Yeah. You know, it's fine to not tell us the answer. Mm-hmm. I love asking the questions, but the, the answers you have can't fully contradict each other. Yeah. Like whether he is or he isn't. Yeah. Yeah, if that makes sense. It makes you lose your bearings in the film a little bit, I think. Yeah. You can't help but wonder if it's... The, the movie not paying attention or making a mistake or, yeah. or is it on purpose? Yeah, so it's more of a distraction. And I also feel that it takes away the power out of the confrontation between Roy and Deckard at the end because if Deckard is a replicant, it's just replicant versus replicant fight. Yeah. But at the if uh, Deckard is just a human being and, you know, Deckard saves his life, I mean, Roy saves Deckard's life, it kind of shows this idea that replicants are not only like people but in some cases they can transcend people Mm. like you know he shows more grace and humanity in that fight than even Deckard is shows because you know when he is about to drop Deckard it looks like Deckard spits at him and then Roy like saves him and gives him that monologue and just sort of uh dies and it's it's sort of a more interesting idea that Deckard's a human in that in the whole movie to me than him being a replicant that's just my sort of view on it I know everyone has their own opinion yeah I know that Ridley Scott insists that Deckard's a replicant, though, but there are some, like, disagreements. <laughs> there are some questions uh, about whether or not he intended that to be the case from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Or he decided later and then stuck with it when it was popular. Yeah. Because we know Harrison Ford doesn't like the fact that he is a replicant. No. He was never convinced of the idea. And I think the writers had a different thing in mind as well. Which is interesting. Yeah, it is. Which it, is which... it adds to the interest of the film to me exactly that it's clearly these different ideas yeah and you're trying to see which ones win out and which ones don't and in some cases sort of awkwardly coexisting yeah <laughs> so that's yeah. what i love about film that yeah know, it's such a collaborative art yeah and um the end product you know what the final process you know what we take away from it is completely different from how they intended yeah usually. and that that's really strong in blade runner and i think aside from the very unique visuals that's what's 
contributed to its longevity, mm-hmm. you know, that everyone can take something different away from it. Because, like, even my, I think my parents watched it the other night and they get, like, a completely different experience out of watching it than I did. Like, my dad's like, why is he saving him at the end? And I'm like, oh, I guess I'll explain it to you. And then Harrison Ford's voiceover comes in because he was watching the original cut. Uh, Pretty much just explains what that point of that scene was. And I was like, oh, you, there you go. Like, he says it in the voiceover. <laughs> so maybe it has its use. The original cut is like if someone's watching it for the first time and, you know, you can someone something can walk the, hold their hand through the more ambiguous parts and then they can revisit it with the final cut and you know have their own conclusions because it does reward multiple viewings as yeah. well this movie so yeah. yeah very interesting well obviously we both liked blade runner the we, original yeah we do like it and uh coming into this you always worry about sequels yeah of, of, of course beloved classics yeah especially something as kind of a sacred cow like yeah blade runner but i think um the moment when they announced that oh denis Villeneuve yeah. was going to direct this movie i was thinking oh great i had high hopes i wasn't worried that's when i thought oh they're taking this seriously exactly it's not just going to be a cheap cash in certainly not cheap this movie <laughs> no <laughs> certainly not a cash in no <laughs> Didn't work out then, but they made a fucking good movie, but, you know, it didn't work out in that way, unfortunately, which I'm sure they would have preferred. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's... Blade Runner itself didn't make good box office money. Not initially, no. So, essentially, it's on par. Yeah. You know? It lives up to the its predecessors. Yeah, um, isn't that weird? How like it can have like this big cult following and be well known, but it just that doesn't add up to the sequels numbers. I find that shocking. It's weird. I don't know. I find that very weird. I'm, I'm thinking. Is is there some mood in the world right now that's putting people off like this dystopic movie? Maybe. I, I think that's sort of part of it. Maybe. There's lots of factors, but I feel like that's not nothing because it is. It is advertised as a pretty like bleak, dreary movie. And it, it it is yeah. one. It is very bleak. So yeah. Maybe people are just, you know... They don't want to see a hell on the screen when they're in a hell right now. <laughs> they, <laughs> like, yeah. They I go just, to the movies to escape, goddammit. <laughs> they just want to watch Tony Stark crack whips. Yeah, because that's what's, like, really popular right now is the Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're lighthearted and you can escape into them pretty easily. They're not too demanding. Yeah. Reasonable runtime. This is, like, the opposite of all that. But, you know, it is kind of a shame because Blade Runner 2049, for my money is a better movie than the original Blade Runner in pretty much every way. But it does stand on the shoulders of Blade Runner. So it's sort of hard to reconcile that. Oh, yeah. It owes its success to Blade Runner. It does. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, they... Even down to the design of the technology and the themes, it's just a carry-on from... It's like a refinement of the original Blade Runner. Yeah. In many ways. And we find that in... Perfect introduction scene yeah to the character i think so ryan gosling's character officer k because it establishes just sort of his personality and also the fact that this film is not going to dangle whether he's a replicant or not yeah throughout the whole runtime yeah, like, it tells you straight away straight away we know who he is so we thought okay we've got that other way there's more interesting things to go to now like the story can get bigger than who is this person but it does become a personal quest as it goes on still nonetheless yeah i i like that um it's uh, it the first scene is kind of in stark contrast to um, the opening of the first movie where it opens wide. Yeah. It opens vast. Yeah. You know, you get a shot of the entire city. Yeah. The skyscrapers and things like that. But with this movie, the sequel, it focuses on its characters. Yeah. It starts small. Yeah. 
and expands out, which I, which I like. And I think because they did that, it hooks you right into the movie. You're yeah. you're on its, you're on board from the get go. Yeah, it you know, pretty much grips you by the collar. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, you All, got David yeah. Batiste. Very different than he usually is in like a movie. Yeah, like he's like big, but he's not like Mister Badass and Mister like Funny Man either. Mm-hmm. He's very human. Yeah, he's a replicant. You know, perfect cameo. <laughs> yeah, I really loved it because I was afraid he'd be like a bodyguard to Jared Leto. That's what I thought. Like he <laughs> he was going to be in this movie. Like, okay. I'm so glad that's not the case. Yeah, I mean the movie does take twists in several ways like that. So we've kind of got that, and also just this beautiful wide shot of like the farm. Yes, and also what I like about this movie as it goes on is that it feels like Ryan Gosling is more active than what Harrison Ford was in the original one. Yeah. Like, he's out doing detective work. Yeah. And, like, he's, like, finding things out. (laughs) Yes. And the love story with him and his companion, Joy, I think her name is. Yeah. She's, like, a holographic girlfriend by the same corporation that's doing the new replicants. The Wallace Corporation. The Wallace Corporation. Owned by Jared Leto. Yeah. A bearded, blind Jared Leto. Yeah. And, um... I liked their love story quite a bit because I was never quite sure how to feel about it. And I suspect that's intentional because you know that obviously Ryan Gosling, a replicants, they're capable of feeling emotion and stuff like that. But you don't know if his hologram girlfriend has the same level of agency as he does. Yeah. Or not. Like, you're not, it's almost like something that's not, it's almost real, but not quite real, which is yeah. visualized well because, you know, she's almost tangible. That's right. She fuzzes and fizzes out and, you know. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the clear comparison here is to her. Yeah. Um, the movie by Spike Jones, which stars Scarlett Johansson as a, an AI lover. Operating system. Yeah. You know, on an a, operating on system who, you know, falls in love. Yeah. Right. And But the main question with Joe, obviously, is, you know, is this a program? Yeah. And I think my takeaway from the movie is that ultimately she is just a program. She's programmed to love him. Yeah, I mean, that's what the ad displays in a sort of later scene. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. And he's reminded of that after he's, like, feeling so sad because he loses her sort of, like, three quarters in or so. You know, she's gone. She's destroyed by another replicant. Yeah. And he sees, like, a giant ad of her come to life and, like, basically sell herself to him. And, you know, it's sort of really reinforced how sort of isolated this character is. Yeah. Because he doesn't fit in anywhere. Because, you know, he hunts his own kind and human beings, officers call him a skin job and shit like that. The replicants are, they feel more human. Yeah. I more, guess. Everyone feels more human in this. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> That's a consequence of there just being better direction in the acting. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. But it works, you know. Yeah. And yeah. it's, well, it also sets up what we find out to be a personal stake that yes. the, the um, character will have. His identity is at stake. Yeah. Because, so, David Batiste, his character is, like, a military doctor. Farmer as well, yeah. And a farmer. Yeah. And that's where he's been hiding away in one of Wallace Corp's Subsidiaries or something, yeah. Yeah, they were farming worms or something, right? Yeah, they were, that's right, yeah. Natural worms. Yeah, and uh, it was clear from the get-go that David Batiste is going to die. Yeah. It's the introduction scene, it's to show how badass Ryan Gosling is. Yeah, when he was sitting on the couch, you're like, oh yeah, he's there to kill him and he yeah. will kill him, like, immediately. Yeah, just the way he taunts it's a, him. It's a classic sort of assassination scene. Yes. Out of, like, a gangster movie or something. Yeah, that's it right. It kind of is fits in well with the sort of film noirness yeah. of the original as well yeah. just the way it was lit and the feel of it as well i love that and with the 
whatever it was boiling in the background adds a bit of domesticity to it. It grounds the whole yeah, scene. But it also makes it feel more tense because you can hear the whistling go yeah. higher and higher and boil. Yeah, it's a typical like kettle yeah. whistling uh, like motif, yeah, I guess. Well-used motif, but effective yeah. here. Throughout their fight, he asks him the question, right? Um, how does it feel like to kill your own? Which it will now reverberate through the movie. Yeah. A question that the first movie hints at, you know, with um, the possibility of Harrison Ford being a replicant himself. Yeah. And with uh, Ryan Gosling being a Blade Runner and a replicant, you're kind of wondering, is this confirmation that Blade Runners have always been replicants? Yeah, or is it just him? Yeah. Because, like, they're using him as a, you know, a tool as well. Yeah, and I like that they don't answer that. Yeah, me too. Are they... they... For as much as this movie does sort of set up mysteries and answer them definitively, it keeps a few things on the margins as well, I really liked. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in the world. Like, replicants uh, seem to be starting their own revolution. There's, like, a revelation that a replicant and, like, a person, in this case it's, like, obviously Deckard and Rachel, gave birth to one of their own. Yeah. What we know for sure is that a replicant at least manages to conceive and gave birth yeah and that changes the whole slavery creation paradigm that this sort of society is built off of yeah because it's sort of revealed as well um this is in more supplemental material that you can look up that there was like a giant blackout yeah just three years after blade runner and the wallace corporation just came in and like pretty much saved everyone's asses by creating these new replicants and exploring more off-world colonies so like the human race has like just thrived off of using like slaves again, which is like a really sort of interesting theme, and also the f- the fact that this new that child that was born and is, that died is oh wait well you know maybe died maybe didn't die that's another mystery <laughs> yeah because shifts uh, <laughs> shifts like the whole social order of what this world is which already seems on the precipice of a collapse yeah the fact know? that there was. A replicant child that was born who used to be protected by David Batiste. And he even poses the question. um, He says, you've never seen a miracle. Yeah. Inherently, it means if they can be born, that means that they might have a soul. Yeah. So that that sort of line that was always very thin between replicants and people is like gone. Yeah. Because if they can procreate... They don't need to be created anymore by men. Yeah. You know? And the motto for the... I don't know if it's an official motto or an unofficial one has always been more human than human. Yeah. The possibility that a replicant being able to reproduce. Yeah. What does that say about humanity? Yeah. And that's sort of the interesting dichotomy is that as they've shown in this movie, replicants are like even closer to humanity than they were before. The creator of these replicants, which is Jared Leto's character, Nymeria Wallace, I think his name is, he's like the most sort of android-like character in the movie. Yeah. You know, he has some sickness where he has to rely on these floating drones. And just the way he sort of acts, like a very sort of distant god king with a complex. Yeah. And just everything about him. You know, he's like very robotic. And he's... um. He's not in this movie that much. Jared Leto's in like a couple of scenes. Which I loved. Yeah. I think that's like the perfect use of Jared Leto. Yeah. In any movie, but especially this one. Although they did promise a lot of Jared Leto in the trailers. Just in the marketing, yeah. Yeah. Which seems like (laughs) this is like Jared Leto's thing now, which is he's featured a lot in the trailers and then gets cut out of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. There's only so much usable footage, which is apparently like five minutes in a a seven-hour movie. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, so he's sort of he he's the one who saved everyone from the blackout, and he's the creator of these new replicants. And I found him pretty interesting, intriguing character, mostly because you don't know him much about him. Yeah. And I when, like that yeah. we don't get any more detail about this character. I think he actually has the same amount of screen time that Tyrell does in the original. Yeah. Because Tyrell's only in two scenes, really, in the original movie. That's right. And that's sort of uh, similar here. And when you see like the inside of the Wallace Corporation, the thing I loved about it is it felt very ancient. Because yes. it's like, it's like a, it's a, they create life there, and it looks like a place where, like, Life is created from witchcraft. <laughs> it actually does. Like, yeah, because the score is like that as well. It's very spooky. That's and, right. It, it you know, evokes kind of an Egyptian imagery. Yeah. Even which, it leans more heavily into like the ancient primal religious stuff yeah, than even the original did. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, and you know, Jared Leto himself behaves like a fucking voodoo doctor. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was really interesting contrast to like the urban, you know, wreckage that most of the rest of the movie takes place in. Yeah. But also in this movie, we've also, can't forget this, Return of Harrison Ford. Yeah, like in the third act of the movie. Yeah, very it, late. He, he returns very late. Yeah. Uh, which I liked, actually. Yeah. I love that they didn't really ask him to co... Because even the marketing for this as well, you sort of think it's going to be a buddy movie between the two of them. Yeah. Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford, even though it's really not. Yeah. And I think that putting Harrison Ford as much as they did in this movie, which is not a whole lot... Harrison Ford was able to really give everything he had because <laughs> this yeah. is a great performance. Yeah, I can't. In this movie. I can't imagine him sustaining that. Yeah, amazing performance. Yeah. but he's not. Yeah, and they use him perfect amount. Yeah, they use him the perfect amount, and he has like a great sort of you know catch up scene with Ryan Gosling, and he has a great sort of emotional scene with Jared Leto like a little bit later in the movie when he's kidnapped. Yeah, and also at the end, like he has the last image of the film. Really, Harrison Ford does. And it's does he? Yeah, technically he does. What was the last image? Well, the very last image is Harrison Ford walking in to meet his daughter, and he goes up to the glass and like he touches the glass, and then straight to credits. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he literally gets the last image in the movie, and that's a bummer. It's yeah <laughs> for Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Ryan Gosling, yeah, Ryan Gosling just dies in the fucking snow. Yeah, <laughs> this isn't one of the most compelling um, things about this movie. Beyond the gorgeous visuals, beyond the yeah. Hans Zimmer <laughs> score, yeah, is the journey that Ryan Gosling takes. Yeah, throughout the movie, he's really put through a ringer in a way. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, I want to talk a bit about that. Obviously, yeah. the the crux of this. It's movie. the heart of the movie. Yeah, yeah. In, in this world, you know, 30 years later, uh, they've learned their lesson. They've built, now built replicants that are designed to be compliant. Yeah. Right? And not rebel. Yeah. <laughs> they have these checks that they would do, which is a nice touch. You know, every oh, time he, test, yeah. Yeah, he finishes a mission, he goes into this room and they ask him questions. That makes no sense, really. But the, the feel you get from watching him during those scenes, yeah. you really feel feel the nature of what the test is supposed to exactly. be. Exactly. Yeah. It, it makes sense. It's effective filmmaking. I, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. you get it. You feel the logic yeah. of what this scene is trying to convey. Even though you, the words are gibberish. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing. And they don't, you know, there's no Explanation. exposition. Yeah. Just, oh, well, what this does is this. Which was what the first movie did with um, Harrison Ford's questions to Rachel. Yeah. You know, Ter- Terrell had to go, Oh, is it the dilation of the pupils? Like that's some exposition shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one forgoes any of it, and yeah. I, it's I think all all the more better for it, especially when it comes 
back. Yeah. And when he finds out something that changes his fundamental sort of identity, which yeah. is that he might not be a replicant. And it just changes him. Which yeah. let's go to that point. He he believes he's a replicant. Yeah. Obviously, probably one of the best replicants they have. Yeah. He's very compliant according yeah. to Robin Wright. Yeah. But it only takes the notion of hey, you might be a real person. Your memory actually happened to yeah. you. It takes just that, that belief. It's essentially about the power of belief. Yeah. That it takes just the belief that you are more than what you are. Yeah. That changes how he behaves. And he fails a test that's meant to test if he has gained further consciousness or awareness of his yeah. of his role. Yeah, yeah. The movie uh, is really good at visually depicting this theme. Yeah. Without telling us yeah. what it's about. I don't think I don't think it's actually like stated out loud. Yeah. If ever in if the whole ever. movie. Yeah. But you you remember it so vividly because it has excellent c- control of like especially when Ryan Gosling is conf- he confirms that that memory is real and he has this little freak out scene. Yeah. For like 3 seconds and it's like holy shit. Yeah. So what was the dream? He He was um, like being chased by these boys for this wooden horse toy he had. And they corner him somewhere and he like hides the horse toy and he's like, I've lost it. And then they beat him up. Yeah. He tells us this scene. To the cop to, lady. To Robin Wright. Robin Wright's cop lady. Um, His superior officer. He goes, oh, this is a little awkward telling you about a dream. That ne- a, a memory, memory that, that didn't I never, to me. Yeah, that yeah. I never had. Uh, yeah. yeah, that wasn't real. Yeah. It's so complicated. Yeah. It's such a complicated understanding to have about yourself. Because it's like, what is he supposed to feel about this? Yeah. You know? Clearly he feels something. Yeah. Because, you know, in the end he says, all the best memories were hers. That's like his last line, Which yeah. is such a moving line. <laughs> yeah, he gets that because it's revealed that he shares his memories from uh, Deckard and Rachel's daughter. Yeah. Like, he's the... Spoiler alert. Yeah, this is spoiler nation. <laughs> he's like the male replicant of her. Yeah. And, you know, they share a scene earlier where, like, because she, this, she's, like, hidden sort of thing. And, like, her job is to create memories, you know. Great scene. Yeah. Oh, terrific. When you see the tech that creates the memories. Amazing. That's a great character, I think. And um, speaking of the tech, I like how, I guess, on par with the original, this movie amps up the kind of marriage between advancement in technology and keeping the analog nature of technology. Yeah, because as even as it always is, like there's technology that's impressive and tech, there's some tech now that's like shitty basic shit you yeah. use. And there's one scene where like Ryan Gosling is investigating some DNA sample and it looks like a sort of microscope thing. Yeah. Like it looks old. Yeah. Like maybe from 10 years ago. So not everything is like holograms and touch screens and all that kind of shit. Yeah. I'm so glad we don't just see like Star Trek-ish like screens. Yeah. they. Oh. It's very true to Blade Runner's feel. Yeah. And not Without being like a copy of it. You know what I mean? Exactly. It, it really and honors the original in that way. So with Deckard's the daughter, daughter. Yeah. She's in this dome, right, that she can't leave. Yeah. And um the tool that she has to weave dreams is kind of this like she twists it. Like, and it makes a noise. Yeah. You like, know, it feels like tangible. Yeah, it clicks, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it looks all, like there's a real process to it. Yeah, it's like an instrument. Yeah. And she's like sort of, a musical she, instrument. And you know, without having any idea of what she's doing exactly, you know she's an expert at it. Yeah. Because how she's playing with it feels like very precise yeah you know it's very thoughtful and i, I could have done with another memory creating scene because it looks so fucking good yeah it's it's exciting it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's exciting to watch yeah and you, you can you can feel this 
maybe influencing a piece of technology that might come out like you know in 30 years yeah and you're like oh this is what inspired that technology like, that's like my favorite stuff about science fiction is when the stuff doesn't feel like just fantasy yeah like it feels like it has its own internal logic and working to yes. it. yes which this very much does have that uh where, where were we at with that well, he finds out like he's a replicant version of the daughter. So yeah, well, he he confronts Harrison Ford later in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, with this kind of information, and the subtext between the two of them is that Ryan Gosling believes himself to be his son. I find that so interesting. It's the opposite of if the characters just actually talk to each other, this wouldn't have happened. Kind of misunderstanding, but in this case, it feels the tension because yeah. Ryan Gosling already assumes that he is Deckard's son. Like, yeah. he already assumes that. Yeah. And why Deckard, wouldn't he, right? Yeah. yeah. And Deckard has no reason to believe why Ryan Gosling is thinking that So why is. would they say anything about it, yeah. really, you know? But the friction is there. Yeah. It's just that there's different expectations, which is crushing on Ryan Gosling's side because he keeps thinking, oh, I'm bonding with my dad. Or, you know, or something like that. He, yeah. you know, he keeps expecting Harrison Ford to bring something up. Ryan Gosling is so good at playing the subtleties of a meltdown. Yeah, for sure. One of the best. <laughs> the inner turmoil on his face. First, we first get it at... So this movie has the double twist, yeah. right? The first twist comes kind of like the first quarter yeah. through the movie. Yeah. He follows the trail from his kill with... Um, Batista. Batista. Yeah. What did they find out that... Um, sends him on this run. Well, they find the remains of, like, a child under the tree, yes. right? Yeah. And R- Robin Wright goes, this is going to cause chaos. Yeah. So we need to get rid of all the traces of this. Yeah. So he that's his main mission, essentially, from his case throughout the movie. Yeah. And he uh, throughout his investigations, he stumbles on this kind of, on the outer rims of L.A., this this trash heap (laughs) (laughs) yes kind of place and um he crashes he stumbles upon this place that's the exact place of what his dream what he describes his memories yes yeah that memory of him as a boy trying to hide his horse Mm -hmm. figurine away from these kids who are chasing him yeah and you already know where he's headed right yeah as soon as he entered and he looks around and it's like oh shit this looks familiar yeah and he goes back to the same spot where he hit the the horse and you're you we're just like no fucking way yeah what? the horse is still there what of course and then the horse is still there yeah. <laughs> his face when he just realizes he just doesn't understand what's happening yeah but he knows something has changed yeah that mix of revelation and fear and horror yeah. and excitement yeah on his face he doesn't say a word he doesn't I don't think yeah he doesn't and yeah. it's you can tell like what he's feeling yeah and then it's like cemented us with him it's like oh we know what what he is now yeah and then the sort of after the harrison ford scene where they have that bit of back and forth and then harrison ford is captured yeah by the wallace people because they want to find the child as well and then ryan gosling immediately learns from these like revolutionary type replicants like oh no you're not the child <laughs> yeah. they just tell him they were like what no we have the child yeah uh, we, we have her yeah like, we have her we all wish it was, was us but it's not it's her like i think they actually say something yeah. to that effect this moment they said her yeah his face drops yeah and immediately he knows fuck yeah it's not me yeah 
And and the leader of that the rebel group, she's like, awkward. Did I'm you sorry. Think, <laughs> did it's you not think you. It was you. And the the brilliant thing that cements the tragedy of this scene further is because after that, uh, where he learns that crushing thing, yeah, he goes outside and he sees the advertisement that was his companion, like his only real companion. Yeah, for his lover, his, Joe, his lover. Yeah, and it, Joy. it advertises herself to him. Not recognizing him, but he knows who that is, and you know he's just thinking, "Is like anything mine?" Yeah, like am I? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, this is that's how bleak this movie is. <laughs> yeah. This is the climax of the movie in a way. It's the emotional climax because yeah, it is. He he's given false hope, and that fuels him. That fuels his mission. Yeah, he, you know he has like a a singular approach. Yeah. And then he gets there. He finally has like a semblance of happiness because he, he's a real boy. Yeah. And his lover is with him. It's somewhat tangibly. Yeah. And he, he, you know, he's meeting his dad. Yeah. And one in one fell swoop, the people who created him. Yeah. Takes all of this away. Yeah. They crush his lover. Yeah. They take away his dad. Yeah. And then it's revealed to him that they take away the tangibility of his experiences because yeah. he realizes from oh okay you're not it's actually not your dad. Yeah. And she was never really your lover. She's a product. Yeah. And, and he learns all this, but the thing that is like really the most moving thing about this movie is yeah. that he still chooses to reunite who we thought was his dad yeah. with his actual daughter. Like, he, he, like, sacrifices yeah. himself to do that. The more human-than-human human line really rings through yeah. this movie. It's, yeah. it's actually... It is more human-than-human. Human it's because, his character arc. Yeah. In a sentence. Yeah. I think. This is our ideal. Yeah. This is what we aspire to be. It's, like, pure altruism. Yeah. Yeah. But humans are not like that. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, yeah. humans are... The point is garbage. that's kind of an impossible ideal. Yeah. It's something to aspire to. But... Just like Roy Batty saves Deckard's life at the end and, like, you know, gives him that gift of mercy, which allowed him to have, like, a kid and a daughter. Yeah. Ryan Gosling does the same for Deckard and saves him and reunites him with his daughter. Another replicant. Like, displays more humanity than anybody in the whole film. You know, that's, like, a really nice echo from the original film. But here it's, like, even more touching. It's even more emotionally resonant. Yeah, because you're way more invested in his story. Yeah, we see the whole movie from his perspective. It's all... 90% of the movie is just Ryan Gosling. Yeah. It is, you know. That's why Harrison Ford and Jared Leto aren't in it that much. Because you're you're with Ryan Gosling the whole time. I think that's why this movie feels so unique. Yeah. Because it's from a perspective from a supporting character. Like, that's yeah. what it is because he thinks that he's the main character of yeah. this movie. Three quarters of the way in, he finds out he's the side character. The literal story is not about him. Yeah. He's he's a participant, but it, he's like, yeah, like you say, he's just a tool yeah. in the whole thing. But he still chooses to fulfill that role yeah. if it means getting a father with his daughter, like, at the end of the day. Just a tragedy of that. It is, like, a real tragedy. Yeah. The movie is a tragedy. And that subtext of, like, you're not special yes. is so antithetical to so many, like, blockbuster movies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is another reason why I think this isn't, like, terribly popular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that's... It, it is, like, the complete opposite, literally, of, like, what so many kind of movies are. Yeah, and it plays around with... Um, humanity uh, of you know a lot of what we do as a society stems from thinking that are we special yeah you know, are we 
um, are we the only ones? Is every does everything happen for a reason? Does our existence mean something? Yeah, exactly. And yes, these are the exact questions that he's asking, and he's being told the answer no. <laughs> yeah, but he he makes his meaning. Yeah, like that's what makes it a very existentialist kind of story as well, and to sort of. I think tie that illusion closer to like sort of weird existential stories is he has two names, Kay, and his girlfriend gives him a name when he learns he might be a human, which is Joe. Joe, yeah. Which is, you know, Joseph from a Kafka story who turns into like the, he got that Kafka sort of uh, illusion to the story as well. So I think that's like, there's a deeper illusion there that if you rewatch it a few times, I think it's closer. But I kind of thought of that one, like she called him Joe and his name's Kay. It's like, oh, that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting... Yeah. Parallel. Think, That's a yeah. good. Yeah. I think they're pulling something from like Kafka in this story because it is sort of Kafka esque, in like sort of the absurdism of what it, his life announced <laughs> yeah, to in yeah. the end as well. So yeah, very like this like Blade Runner, a lot of literary illusions going on. Yeah, a few obviously produced by Ridley Scott. I don't know how much involvement he has on a story at all, but yeah, I don't um, think probably none. If none it didn't feel like. Yeah, co- yeah, coincidentally, there's some biblical elements in there. You but know? that 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 kind of element is so strong in Blade Runner. Yeah, that, and I think the biblical stuff in this of like is even more well rounded here. Like the sort of idea of immaculate conception. Yes. In the replicant child, yeah. and sort of how. Uh, Wallace is as well yeah. as like a sort of a Jesus figure who's also sort of like the devil as well. The movie is definitely more focused. Yeah. It's more focused plot wise, it's more focused character wise, and it's more focused with its settings and its visual style. Yeah. Which on the flip side, it doesn't give them a chance to really explore the universe of the yeah. sequel. I don't think that's the thing about, especially this uh, kind of confirms it, is that. Blade Runner, I don't think, should ever be a thing that really explores the universe of its world that much. It should also be... To me, it should be like a very personal, contained story. I agree. Because it's just more interesting that you don't really know all the margins of, like, what's going on off-world and what's going on here. But, like, there's clearly things happening, but... I just like that it's kind of off to the margins and only tangentially sort of informs the main story, which is always a very personal one. Because otherwise it sort of could become just generic sci-fi epic. If it did focus on the universes a lot. I, I see your point, but yeah. um, I totally agree. But what I mean by exploring the universe is the kind of give us time to be absorbed into the movie just like Blade Runner did. The Blade yeah. Runner didn't really like explore how the universe actually worked. But it makes you do luxuriate in the atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah. And it gives us, you know, this lived in feel of this yeah. world. Whereas it, it's less like that in this movie. Just because, you know, it, it almost feels as the setting is there because we they know the character has to be there. Yeah, and it's very, it's dense. So yeah. you almost don't have time the first time you watch it to just sort of soak in the atmosphere of exactly. what's going on. And I'm thinking more about the Las Vegas scenes. Yeah. The setting, you know, it's there's a lot going on, but we don't really get time to explore it. Yeah. Which might be a good thing. I don't know. It was a good scene, but it felt so... It felt a bit odd. It felt a bit out of place. The, with the I, whole movie. Yeah, I also felt like the pacing of that scene felt different from the like it was slow, but it was slow in a different way from the pacing of the rest of the movie. Yeah, definitely. like just maybe a bit too many shots of Ryan Gosling walking around like an empty room. That felt like the movie came to a standstill. It did. Yeah, when it, there should have been the really the most exciting point because you're like, oh, this is where he's going to meet fucking Deckard. 
Yeah. But it, it, oddly enough, it was the most boring scene in the film, yeah. I felt like. Only marginally. It's a minor flaw, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's just because the rest of it is so sort of perfectly paced yeah. that this sort of stuck out like, oh, this is a bit slow. It's yeah. a bit strange. Why is that? I want to also bring up, I guess, the way that the original or this franchise, I guess, yeah. treats its women characters. Yeah. Especially with Rachel being the main example of how these two movies aren't kind to their female characters. No. Especially Rachel. And I don't mean that... Well, I don't just mean that bad things happen to their female characters. I, you know, I don't mind that it's a movie. But all of the women in these two movies are essentially in service of the main male characters. Yeah. Whether or not they're replicants. Yeah. You know, which is... It's a bit disappointing just because, you know, Rachel is the main example here because she is the fulcrum and the connection between these two movies, right? Because yeah. she is the mother. She's of... the reason for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about it. Exactly. She's yeah. the mother replicant who gave birth. Yeah. And in the original movie, she is the. She's built to be special, right? Because yeah. she is the Ryan Gosling character. Um, in the first movie, she's yeah. essentially the prototype because she yeah. was not supposed to be aware that she's actually a replicant. Yeah. And she was designed biologically to give birth as well. I think it's implied in this one in as well. In this one. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. So she's like the special person. And I kind of wondered if Sean Young, the actress, wanted to return to this one. Mm. Would they have had something for her? Because I kind of get that they don't have her here because she doesn't want to return to this movie because she had like a terrible experience on the first one and right. hates Harrison Ford. Do you think, did she? Yeah, she did. Like oh, she had a fucking terrible shit. time on that movie. <laughs> so it makes me sort of think that if she wanted to return, I would hope that they would have had something for her well, in this movie. Yeah, it's just... She's like, just like, I guess she just works as sort of a mythical ideal in this in this one as well. They don't even have to bring the actress back. The characters are just not well developed yeah for someone who a lot of important things happened to we find out that she had a c-section and then died yeah right just by giving birth i feel like that this movie would have been more impactful if we understood rachel as a character yeah i put i put that at the first movie's feet though I think more than anything well yeah i'm just saying this franchise doesn't do a good job at doing that yeah yeah it doesn't dampen my enjoyment of the this sequel that much but i feel like it's a missed opportunity to actually make her fully because in a in sort of a series that does talk about the nature of humanity yeah it does like exclude one half yeah (laughs) of the population so yeah that is an interesting point even robin wright is criminally underused yeah she's just sort of a cliche cop yeah. In this one. She's great as one. She's always good, you know. But, she, she, but it's like, yeah, they don't give her... She doesn't have that much of an interesting relationship she, to Ryan Gosling or yeah, anything like that. and she gets unceremoniously killed off and made... And her corpse was made fun of. Yeah, there's like a funny sound effect when the replicant uh, bodyguard... The termi- Terminator lady. Yeah, the Terminator woman. Stabs, like, stabs her. Yeah. And then it was a horrific scene. She dies. And then... She just grabs her head up for a for a scan. Yeah, and then like just dumps it on the table again. I mean, like, it was it's, it was literally played for laughs. Everyone laughed. <laughs> it was funny, it but was funny. I didn't like that. I was laughing. Yeah, neither know. did I. I was like, it's an odd choice. To... Yeah, just to disrespect Robin Wright yeah. like that. Is that Come to on. show how like 
evil this replicant woman is because yeah. I already got that when she just stabs her like that. Yeah. Speaking of this replicant woman, the, yeah. uh, on paper, this um, the actress sells the character. The actress is very good. A lot. The, the, yeah. the actor really elevates what the character has been written as, which is, which is literally, oh, a Terminator. Yeah. Right? Well, I guess that makes sense because these... They're supposed to just obey, aren't they? These new replicants. I guess, but then... But then they also kind of hint at something interesting with this replicant woman yeah. where she's, like, crying during <laughs> certain scenes yeah. that are, like, hideous to watch, like when Jared Leto just fucking murders that newborn replicant because she can't give birth. Yeah. Like, he just gets rid of her, like, trash, and she's obviously affected. And when she has to kill a Robin Wright, she's affected by it. And I kind of wish there was some kind of development of that. Yeah, exactly. Because it's such an interesting thing going on, It, but the movie, just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Now, what Back to Ryan Gosling, which, you know. Yeah, this is when ambiguity works against this movie. Because yeah. it actually feels as if the movie itself doesn't know what's going on. And it's her. not terribly interesting. Yeah. Even though it, there's something interesting going yeah. on. Because, like, she's sort of similar to Ryan Gosling's character in a way because she's conflicted about her nature, like, yeah. obviously. But she doesn't really get much. And in the end, she is just full Terminator mode. Yeah, and then she's just sort of, you know, murdered during the big action scene and sort of that's that. Let's talk about the big action scene at the end, Yeah, actually. So Ryan Gosling decides to save... Harrison Ford. Yeah, because uh, Wallace is about to take him off-world to, like, torture him for information or something. Yeah, because he demanded to know where the kid is. Yeah. And Harrison Ford won't give it up, and he brings in uh, he prom- Rachel. Yeah, he promises him a replicant Rachel. Yeah. Which, you know, very it looks very good. I was Convincing. It, yeah, looks it looks exactly like she stepped out of 1980. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was amazing work. I love that. You know, he he says, oh, her eyes are brown or something. Or green. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Yeah. (laughs) They just, like, kill her. (laughs) Yeah, that's terrific. So they're like, oh, we have better ways to torture you in Mars or something. You don't know what pain is yet. (laughs) And then they're going to take him off. That's actually, uh, it was a great line in the trailer, but... Just a quick question. What did you think the context for the line was in the trailer? I thought it was spoken to Ryan Gosling. Interesting, yeah. Just because he's a replicant, and maybe they're just set to him because he hasn't experienced much. Just, I I assume that he was going to be just a soldier replicant, so he hasn't experienced much pain. That's what I thought the same thing, but he was like talking to just like a random newborn replicant. Oh, and he was going to do do something fucked up to it. That's interesting. Yeah, but it was just sort of a movie bad guy line in the, yeah, in the film. Yeah, <laughs> because in this context, it actually doesn't make sense. Because, it's like, yes, he, he has he has felt pain. Yeah, like, did you see the last movie? Yeah. He got his ass kicked all the time. He knows what pain is. <laughs> Both literally and emotionally. Yeah. Um, yes. So it's just kind of like, mm, yes, he has. <laughs> yeah, it's like some movie bad guy line. And, and right. you just know that whatever torture that they have for him off-world, it won't work. Yeah, because he's not going to talk. Yeah, so the stakes <laughs> there is already gone. Yeah. And just also a weird... Um, <laughs> it makes sense on paper that the rebels told Ryan Gosling, hey, you have to kill him Yeah. now. But, okay, number one. Why Ryan Gosling? Can you guys send someone? Like, why does it have to be Ryan Gosling to be the one to I thought it, I, ex- assassinate? I got the idea he volunteered, didn't he? 
No, because um, what did they tell him? They tell him they're like, now you have to kill him because obviously oh, okay, they didn't, yeah. they don't know <laughs> that he thinks that they probably he, just think he's just he's disposable. <laughs> like send, yeah. send him to do it. We don't know him. <laughs> it's just it was weird. It was yeah. like the whole logic of the rebel, the rebellion team just yeah. was felt a bit off, and their introduction just was too late. Yeah, it was very late. Even though they planted the seed of um that girl. <laughs> yeah, the prostitute. Yeah. yeah, sort of in an earlier scene in the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you don't know what that means yeah. until like much later. But yeah, so Ryan Gosling intercepts them to off world, right? Yeah, yeah, which is this is the one time where where I was like, oh, this is a logic flaw, a sci-fi logic flaw, which yeah. is you're the richest person in the world. Yeah, I, uh, presumably. Yeah, you've created like an army of robots. Yeah, and you're sending your most important asset off-world. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing with your security detail that they can just be blasted off the sky? Yeah, like by just some anyone who wants to do it can do it. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> well, it makes no sense. I I guess because. I could kind of counter that. Okay. I think I can. That's, yeah. It's not the strongest it. argument, but I have an idea. Yeah. I think it's because the view bits you get of Jared Leto and his sort of corporation and how he lives, this guy is like the king of the world and he's very far removed from like regular society. Okay. So he's incredibly arrogant as well. Yeah. So I don't think he thought he'd have any problems doing what he was about to do. So he didn't expect any trouble whatsoever. Mm. So I don't think he even considered that as a possibility that that would happen to him. That's interesting. That's just sort of the idea because he's obviously like just really far removed from society. <laughs> like he does, he's not like a scheming guy. It seems like he's monologuing about the stars. Like his mind's off world, yeah. like universe shit. And I can see him not caring about security detail or anything like that as much. Yeah, I can see it. It's a yeah. forgiving take on yeah. this. That's just kind of how I read it. <laughs> I just feel like at that point, the movie is telling us, okay, let's we're getting to the end. Like, yeah, okay, it's like, oh, here's the action scene. Something where, has like, to happen now. Yeah. And it felt the most Ridley Scott post-Alien kind of scene. Yeah. It stands in stark contrast you know to the whole movie you know it just feels so it feels typical yeah it feels weirdly. like yeah it yeah. feels like okay action final action scene yeah because it just doesn't jive well with the rest of the movie yeah. they're just fighting in this ocean yeah w- waves at that point i was not interested i was kind of yeah i was like can this be over yet yeah i was I just like was let's that. cut to the next scene like, where we know the outcome of what yeah happens. it's not a bad action scene but in the context of this film's themes and interest and narrative, yeah. it feels really irrelevant. Yeah. Even though, yeah, you got to have that happen because you got to have Ryan Gosling take action for Harrison Ford and whatnot. But yeah, I don't know what. It, yeah, I agree that it felt just a bit off. I just felt it could have been executed much better in a much more intriguing way than yeah. just like a shootout. Yeah, it was very standard, like yeah. the action scene itself. Yeah. And it was very dark and sort of the hard logic, to see. Yeah, the logic of the scene was also kind of hard to follow. The once, geography was difficult for yeah, me to follow. Once it hits the water, yeah. you're like, yeah, what's the game plan here? Like, are you guys, are you all just going to drown here? Yeah, what's, what's happening? Are you actually, because it looked like he was going to drown yeah. for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're just looking at it like, oh, when's Ryan Gosling going to die? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. But uh, yeah, he gets extracts Harrison Ford and kills the female replicant bodyguard. And then we pretty much get the last scene. Yeah, where which is 
beautiful. The, it's perfect. Yeah, it it's couldn't have per- been better. It's a perfect end scene. Yeah, where um, Ryan Gosling is like, he's got a wound and Harrison Ford sort of says to him, oh, you, you're all right. You're okay. He's like, yeah, yeah, just go be with your daughter and stuff. Yeah. And you kind of assume, oh, Ryan Gosling's okay. Yeah. But then when he sits down and like that tears in the rain <laughs> reprise from yes. the first kicks in, it's like, oh no, he's going to die. He's, yeah. And like, I love the fact that this movie's ending feels so personal because the camera kind of focuses on Ryan Gosling's face and he's clearly thinking something. Like, he's, yeah. he's probably reflecting on his life and maybe thinking, you know, was I a person or wasn't I a person? Like, it's just on his face. Like, yeah. he never says anything. And then he just, like, lies down to die, probably not having that question answered for him. And it's so sad. Yeah. And then you see Harrison Ford, you know, see his daughter and he goes up to the glass and movie ends because whatever happens is sort of between the two of them. Yeah. It reminds me of the end of Lost in Translation when Bill Murray whispers into Scarlett yeah. Johansson's ear. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what they say to each other. Yeah, the important thing is you feel like it's between the two of yeah. them. And yeah. that's how I felt like with this ending as well. Yeah. And then it just, you know, drifts to credits and I thought, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. The character beats in this movie, the director hits it out of the park. Yep, with sure. the With the actors too because... That's why the line when he said all the best memories were hers, it hits so it was that was the emotional like tearjerker. I didn't yeah. cry, but if I were a crying person, that's when I would have cried. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it takes us back to that scene where she looks into his memories and she starts crying. Yeah. Because they were her memories. Yeah, yeah. It recontextualizes that up that whole bit. Yeah. You know, in an amazing amazing way it stands in stark contrast to roy's final scene in blade runner because they were his memories that's the sort of point exactly and um it's just such a nice parallel because he gives he's a poetic guy he's a very talkative guy and he's all talk yeah and he gives this really nice emotional speech it's like a poem and you know the end of it it, it's beautiful yeah and then and then he dies yeah and that's inverted in the closer of this movie because ryan gosling is silent yeah he's silent he has he has nothing to say and he dies like a dog you know yeah it's really sad he's just sort of left there yeah (laughs) and then he dies and all all his emotion packs into that final line yeah that is about someone else yeah like he has nothing to say for himself like roy did yeah he's like it wasn't my life (laughs) That's essentially yeah. like what he's saying. It, yeah, it is. It's tragic and beautiful. Yeah, and, and moving at the same time. It's just... and something I've never seen. I don't think, and I can't remember seeing in a movie someone with an arc like that. Yeah, it's a great character. It is. I love it. And this, so that makes that alone makes this like a more than worthy follow up to Blade Runner. You know. Yeah. I enjoyed this movie and I was moved by this one way yeah. more than I did with the original one. Yeah, with the original. Yeah, I wonder. I really wonder, like, how time will treat this one in comparison yeah. to the original Blade Runner, especially that this is a sequel. Yeah, it is a follow-up. It's not its own thing. It, I, it can't be. Yeah, and I also wonder if, um, how this movie plays to people who, uh, <laughs> hadn't seen the first movie. Oh yeah, like I don't. Yeah, what are they feeling? You know, do they understand everything that's happening? Not that yeah. it matters, but do they get the emotional stakes? Do they get the character stakes? Yeah, because this? how this is advertised, it's almost like oh, that just looks like a cool sci-fi movie. I'll go see. Yeah, and that's like what how my friends sort of felt about. It. I was like, you really should watch the first one first. Like that's what I say. I'm not sure. Sh- yeah, do you think that people should have seen the first one before? Yeah, I mean, you could probably. 
understand what's going on on a plot level with this one if you haven't seen the first one. But it's like, why would you watch this if you haven't seen the first one? So I think That's you, true. you should definitely, if nothing else, you should watch the first one anyway. Yeah, the, the few people who I spoke to who hadn't seen the, the first one, they, they saw you know, this. Yeah, and yeah. they had a few, I guess the question, the main question in their minds is, who is replicant and who isn't? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but as I'm trying to explain it back to them, I realize that I don't know if Harrison Ford is a replicant or not. Yeah, this movie keeps that ambiguous, which I'm really thankful for as yeah. well. What What do you think? No, I don't think he's. You don't think he yeah. is? Why? Well, because I don't know. Because the the thing that it kind of goes back to this easy logic point to me, where if he is a replicant and he's a Blade Runner in the first movie, like. Why is he so weak in comparison to replicants he's hunting down and stuff like that? Is right, it because if he's designed to If kill he's designed replicants. to kill and hunt them down and stuff like that. And I just think his character arc works better if it's a guy who's who is a human being and he rediscovers his humanity through replicants, which is Roy and Rachel. I just think that's a more beautiful symbiotic idea than just replicant who doesn't know he's a replicant. Especially with the outer layer of this sequel, it... Yeah, it's a more poetic, poetically satisfying idea. Yeah, the the fact that he's human. Yeah, and he keeps getting saved and getting supported by replicants. Yeah, exactly. Like it's sort of really kind of hones in on a sort of idea that replicants and humans should be like together, not as they always are. Like there's a divide. Yeah, because there's a terrible system in place to keep replicants as slaves. And Harrison Ford, if he's a human being, it sort of sets like this example that you know they can transcend that awful system that keeps humans in this place and replicants in this place. But if he's a replicant, it's just like ah, oh, he's just another replicant. It will be a twist for the sake of the twist. That's what I feel like it is. It doesn't add anything. Yeah, if he's it a doesn't. Replicant. It actually cheapens the significance. Yeah. Of the ending, but so, yes, yeah, so we're in agreement. So he should be human, right? <laughs> no, wait. I'm not. I agree with you that yeah. it might not be super satisfying if he it turns out to be a replicant. Mm-hmm. But I think that he is a replicant. Oh, okay. As in, I think the movie is signaling that he is like this movie. Yeah. Really? Well, both movies, I guess. I didn't. I th- I thought they kind of left it untouched in this movie. There's just minor things that they posit that's yeah. like they did leave it generally untouched. Yeah. But I'm just seeing like some weird evidence. Like he lives in Vegas. Yeah. Which is a apparently a highly radiated area. Yeah. And yet he's just if he's a he's normal, unaffected. Yeah, he's unaffected. That that stuck in my craw a little bit. I was like, how's he unaffected? By and this? what? Are we supposed to think that he survived off off honey? Yeah. That sounds uh, like a pretty replicant-y thing. (laughs) They don't eat food. (laughs) Just like, do they not eat food? I don't know. I thought they were sort of just like human beings in every way, replicants, so they could be poisoned. Yeah, they're organic, so I think they do eat food. But I feel like if you're a replicant, maybe you really don't mind what food you're eating as long as it's like... No, they can feel it. Replicants are like humans. Nutritious. Yeah, they got they got sensor senses and That's stuff like true. that. That's yeah. true. I'm just saying, you know, he did survive off honey. I guess. But did they say that? I don't know. But yeah. what else is he eating? I don't. Where's he getting food from? Yeah, you just know that he's drinking, but you don't know what he's like food sources. Yeah, that's true. You don't know how long he's been there. Has he? Did they say how long he was in that wasteland? I'm not sure, but if you think about how... Okay, where does he get the wood to carve the figurines? 
the, the horse and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, they said because it was like real wood. Yeah. So I don't know. So they were in that tree area, remember? Rachel and Deckard. True. So they were there for some period of time. So I assume around there. Not long though, right? Not long, no. He, I don't think he was in this Vegas wasteland that long either. No, he is. He okay. This is where where when you think about a timeline, it's a yeah. bit muddy because he made the horse, right? Yeah. He had to have made the horse in the Vegas area. Oh, at least because, was with him because that's how they traced him. There, yeah, they traced it the back radiation. to him. Yeah. I don't know how that makes sense because yeah. she has the horse while she was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I think in the trash yeah. heap. This is where place. this is a part where I want to rewatch it again just to I want to clear the waters up a bit yeah. with the Vegas thing and where he was during certain times and stuff because I feel like I just missed it the first yeah. time for the most part. I'm definitely going to rewatch this. Yeah, I want to see it again in the cinema. Yeah. On a big screen, which hopefully it'll still stay in cinemas because no one's watching it. And I hope <laughs> they don't I hope they don't pull it like tomorrow or something like that. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. But- just give it time to make back its budget, maybe? Yeah. Which I think it will. Hopefully. I think it will. I mean, it's close to doing that already. I mean... It's to, not a hit. To break even, it said they had to... 400 million. When you factor in marketing. Oh, well. I didn't think that marketing was not included in the budget. No, no, no Marketing's added, added a bit later. So, I think, yes, this movie... <laughs> they put a lot of money into marketing. Yeah, 200 million. And they, they have three short films they're essentially like long marketing yeah that's part of the marketing i assume holy shit 200 million (laughs) so yeah and then the budget of this movie was like 180 million or something like that so yeah 400 million to fucking break even okay well maybe maybe that's not gonna happen yeah but it will be keeping in tradition with blade runner original I i think that blade runner can never be this wide appeal thing yeah this this just cements it because like you can make literally the best Blade Runner movie this one yeah. and people still won't go see it so I think that sort of proves that it's just a niche it's not going to be a franchise you know yeah and it's sort of a mistake to think of it like that which I'm really happy with because you know it makes it unique yeah it feels it's kind of like my relationship with BoJack Horseman in a way that people dismiss it because it's it sounds like a silly cartoon and it about, looks like sort of a simplistic cartoon yeah. even though it's like the most well written show on yeah. TV right now. My feeling is, if you're dismissing it based on this premise, yeah. you don't deserve yeah. to watch it. Yeah, not for you then. You're yeah. lost. <laughs> and uh, if you didn't even bother to watch this movie, well, sucks to be you. Yeah, you're just missing out. Don't complain about the lack of good movies if you don't watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. Because you're not like putting your money where they sh- it should be going in towards like if you want to see not original movies, but just well, really well done filmmaker movies. Yeah. You know, which this clearly is. Yeah, Ro- uh, do you think Roger Deakins is like in the bag for best cinematography? I don't know. The Last Jedi trailer looked pretty good. <laughs> As if I feel like it- <laughs> he's got competition there. He does. He's definitely nom- nominated. He's nominated, but I feel like eighty-five percent he's got this. I don't think best cinematography will go to Star Wars. It could. I you, highly you, doubt it. How good does this? The, the use of color alone. And the compositions when yeah, Ray ignites her lightsaber. Okay, my God! But I'm thinking about the the voters right now. Yeah, but they they would give Star Wars technical awards. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's not the Star Wars is not gonna get best cinematography. Come on. I mean, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince got nominated for best cin- cinematography. I don't know nominated. if it won. I don't know if it won. It might probably won. not. 
Maybe. I don't know. I have to re-look that up. I'd be shocked if it did, but yeah. we'll see. Come, yeah. we'll come back next time and tell me if it did, and I'll eat my words. <laughs> it's true. I think I'll be eating my words. <laughs> but now, I feel like Deacons will get it. Not It'll be like a lifetime achievement kind of award because, yeah. you know, I think Skyfall should have gotten best cinematography because he did that as well. Exactly. And that looked beyond gorgeous. And I think, if anything, Star Wars might be up for maybe best director. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Ryan like, if, if anything, I think yeah. Ryan Johnson would be the... I think it's definitely going to get nominated, though, for Best Cinematography. You think? I reckon it will. Was The Force Awakens nominated? For Cinematography? Yeah. It did get some technical stuff, but I don't know about I Cinematography. Don't, I don't think... I think it was, like, Sound Mix or something like that. I think if it's not nominated for Cinema... If The Force Awakens wasn't... But the Cinematography in that was, like, not the best... It was good. I know, but I'm just thinking... I'm not thinking, like, objectively. I'm yeah. thinking about oh, how they, people yeah. will vote. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, who's voting for this? Because, like, it's true that... I don't think genre films, they don't... They wouldn't necessarily... They would exclude them from, like, best picture and best screenplay and stuff. But in terms yeah. of cinematography and effects, I think that it's totally... That's on their minds, yeah. that kind of stuff. Isn't there a special one for, like, best special effects or whatever? Yeah, something like that, yeah. So maybe it'll get that. yeah. Oh, well, we'll see. We're talking Blade Runner here. Yeah, <laughs> but I think this chance—the chance of this getting best cinematography—is like super high. Yeah, very high. Yeah, I—I I think it's so far aside from the Star Wars trailer. <laughs> Imagine if they just give it to the Star Wars trailer, the trailer, the trailer over Blade Runner. <laughs> that Deacons get screwed again yeah. by a trailer, no less. <laughs> yeah, it's by far the best-looking film I've seen this year. Yeah, is yeah. I think you're totally right. Um, what what do you think about Villeneuve's chances? I, th- I think like very high too, to be honest. I think this this has got a shoe in for best picture. If they gave it to Mad Max Fury Road, like yeah, why not this? Yeah, this is a better movie than Mad Max Fury Road. Really? I th- I think it's better. Why did they give it to this one? I liked Mad Max Fury Road, but um, yeah, I think this is like the Oscar chances in general for this one is like higher than what I would have thought. Yeah, as as yeah, for a sequel to a uh, a science fiction movie from the eighties. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. I think with Villeneuve's like caliber, it might. Get He's got a lot of pull. I think. Yeah. He's like the hottest new Arrival got Best Picture nom. Yeah. Why, why not this one? I think when movies like movies get more like awards attention when they kind of mix in genre with like more grounded human stories. Yeah, which this. Is so, this yeah, what this is? Which is, this is, yeah, perfect. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think it has such a high sort of shot because it's not really like a genre film. Like, it is, but like it's you, playing you... at Lunar Cinemas. That's my shorthand. <laughs> so <laughs> that yeah. means it has like a certain kind of appeal that's bigger than, not bigger, but it's a bit more textured than something like Star Wars or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure that yeah. reference will be relevant to everyone listening to this podcast. <laughs> you know, the fucking cinema. They play all the art house pictures and shit. <laughs> yeah, it's our, it's the closest thing we have to Alamo Draft House. <laughs> yeah. Not much, but it's a some kind of coffee. It's, hey, I, I love my Luna. I do too, yeah. Shout out, shout outs to Luna. You guys are good guys. Uh, well, on that note, how many stars would you give this? Well, I did a review of it recently. Which That's you right. Guys check, check out the written review. IsolatedNation.com. Yeah. Obviously, we go into our thoughts a bit more here than the review. But in the review, I gave it four and a half out of five. Nine out of ten, which I'm pretty comfortable yeah. with right now. What about you? I'm 
still bouncing between four and four and a half. Yeah. I think I'm just going to stick with four. Yeah. The thing I gave it that gets it over the line a bit for me is that I find myself liking it more hmm. the more I think about it. The themes of this movie... And I'm itching to is, see it again. It's really interesting to think about. Yeah. That's a that's with a lot of things that really Scott is tied to. Yeah. That he doesn't make. You know, like... <laughs> when he's not fucking it up with weird decisions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad he didn't direct this one. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. I'm like, so glad Keep that... him in the sort of fucking Alien Covenant area. Fine. Yeah. But Blade Runner, yeah. Yeah, hands off. Yeah. Really. Your thanks, rep- your, thanks for your ideas but yeah, yeah thanks for the execution except for the replicant shit but yeah yeah on the empire podcast they interviewed denis Villeneuve. yeah and um he, he talks about this like funny story where ridley scott came on on the set of, of this blade of, runner. yeah of this uh, blade runner 2049 jesus and uh just to he was curious i okay. guess he was just yeah. che- trying to check it out yeah and um denis goes like hey really who are your favorite directors yeah and uh and he goes i don't know ingmar bergman and right. kubrick yeah and <laughs> denis goes what if um you were making a movie and <laughs> Ingmar Bergman was standing here right now. Yeah. Because that's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and really Scott just laughed and yeah. like walked away. <laughs> that's I, that's an amazing story. What an oddball he is. Yeah. <laughs> Ridley he, Scott. He's a freak. He is. He's weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Thank you for Blade Runner though. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. I guess we'll turn it to our listeners. What did you think of this movie? Yeah. Uh, and what are your theories as to where do you sit with um, the question of is is Harrison Ford a replicant or not? Still, and what yeah. what are your arguments? Still up for discussion. And do you think there should be a sequel to this or just leave it as it is? Because I think... I think they should just leave it as it is. That's what I thought about Blade Runner 1. They should have just left that as it is. And then we got this miracle movie. But it's hard to do miracles twice in a row. In fact, I think it's impossible. So I'm, I'm I think sure that's not going to happen yeah, now. It's definitely not because it's like, this is sort of not done too well. But um, you know what? I'm really glad that it ended as a way where it's not setting up another movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's just... It has its true ending that yeah. I really adored. Brian Gosling... He keeps on delivering. He, he really knows how to pick a part. Yeah. You know, it suits him. I think he's one of the most, like, underrated actors. I think he is underrated. Yeah. I mean, I didn't... You just... It's just easy to dismiss him as, like, oh, charming actor type. Yeah. But you just... Especially forget. when, like, his most popular movie, like, La La Land. Yeah. That's, like, his most shallow role. Yeah. He's just, like, charming dude. Yeah. It's like, if you watch something where he really fucking acts, it's, you know, fucking great. Yeah. Like, this you, is... If you want to see a good... And wacky Ryan Gosling movie mm. Lars and the Real Girl. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. He yeah. dates a, a kind of a sex doll. Oh, interesting. And he, he treats it like his girlfriend. <laughs> it's Ryan Gosling, unlike like you have never seen. Before. Yeah. So it's uh yeah that's my recommendation. And check out the <laughs> nice guys. Movie. <laughs> nice guys as well. It's another good Ryan Gosling one. Yeah. All right, I think that does it. Yeah. Uh, until next time. Bye.